Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Quarterback. Stafford, step it up, throwing left side, watch Calvin, Enzo, got him, oh baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off, intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him, touchdown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Michael Rothstein Show, brought to you by Indeed and by Bet Online. Go check out our sponsors. We always appreciate it. And this has been a jam-packed, news-filled Monday for a team that is going to have a losing record this year and is out of the playoff race. And none of that has to do with quarterback Matthew Stafford or wide receiver Kenny Galladay or anyone else. It all starts with special teams coordinator Braden Combs and the fact that he was fired on Monday morning, a day after a fake punt did not work, but that is not the reason that he was fired. He was fired because of essentially insubordination. At least that's the way the Lions and interim head coach Daryl Bevel are explaining it. Basically what happened was Daryl Bevel looked at the situation and he wanted to punt. This was in the fourth quarter. Early in the fourth quarter, the Lions were trailing by two scores. Matthew Stafford was incredibly beat up. Daryl Bevel assessed the situation and said, got three timeouts, have the two-minute warning, gonna punt. He told that ostensibly to Braden Combs. Braden Combs apparently did not care, called the fake, and not every player on the team that was on the field even knew that it was a fake, and at least that's what a source has said, and it didn't work, but it was insubordinate. It was going directly against the order of your boss, and based off of people I've spoken with inside the organization... There were issues before this relating to him and not quite the insubordination that occurred on Sunday, but this wasn't a one-off situation. And Daryl Bevel thought about it Sunday night and then he called Rod Wood. They talked about it some more. He made his recommendation to Rod Wood. Rod Wood took it to their leadership group because, listen, at this point with an interim head coach, even if Daryl Bevel has control and authority over his coaching staff, that's still getting rid of a coordinator with two weeks left in the season, a coordinator that frankly is good enough that could have been on whoever the next coach's staff. And you have to clear that. But Rod Wood came back to Bevel and, and said, okay, going to do it. And they dismissed 
Braden Combs. And it's a tough call. It's a tough decision. Braden, I reached out to him on Monday, hoping to talk to him about it, get his side of the story. Uh, he did not respond to questions about what happened and his side of the story when I reached out to him. And he has an open invitation if he wants to come on the podcast to talk about it. Happy to have him. But it's, it's stunning, frankly. It's shocking because, and we'll start here in dissecting all of this. He's well liked by players, and that is clear because you look at what was said on social media from returner Jamal Agnew, from Tony McRae, who he followed to Detroit, from Cincinnati, from J. Ron Curse, who I believe actually deleted the tweet, from Jason Cabinda, who's been a special team stalwart this year, all of them praising Braden and saying he's going to get another job. And there were more people who spoke out positively in the wake of Braden being fired than there were after Matt Patricia got let go on social media and Bob Quinn got let go. Think about that. Like your special teams coordinator got more praise and more, I can't believe this is happening, than the head coach of your, or now former head coach of your football team. That tells you, I guess, how maybe disliked and how much change really was necessary in the case of Matt Patricia and how this took some other people by surprise. This move with Braden. And that's, whew. That's a hard thing. Daryl Bevel said he hasn't talked to the whole team yet. One would imagine that's going to be an interesting meeting here this morning when players get back in the building because player Monday was the players' day off because they are playing a Saturday game instead of a Sunday. But that's going to be a tough one to explain to players. I, it is because he was a players' coach. He's a guy players liked to play for, and now he's gone. It has repercussions, and that's a word that Daryl Bevel used as well, because I will read this quote to you, kind of explaining a little bit of his decision-making, because obviously his entire press call basically on Monday was really all about this. And as he said when he talked about kind of why make this decision, why, why go to this extremist have a less severe punishment, he said this, quote, to be honest with you, it was an agonizing decision. It's something that was really hard for me. I thought it'd be really important to think on it a lot. I really thought about it basically all night long. I ended up getting a hold of Rod Wood and talking through it, talking it through with Rod. There are some things that you can do and I feel like you can come back from. And then I think there are some decisions that you don't make those decisions. There has to be repercussions because there's a lot of people that are making similar decisions or in different ways. Again, I'm just trying to do what's best for this team and put this team in the best situation to be able to win. So basically, Bevel's reasoning beyond the insubordination is that, you know, you let one person do this. What's to say that another coach do, does something similar? You, you lose control. You lose respect. You lose accountability. And that is clearly what Daryl Bevel is trying to drive home. And there's something to that. Uh, one of the sources I spoke with, on Monday, I said that they didn't feel like Braden was, quote, a culture fit, end quote. And considering 
that Chris Spielman is really trying to come in and instill this different culture. And Rod Wood talked about instilling this culture that's coming down from Sheila Ford Hamp. It's clear they're at least trying to do something different. And they're trying to start to build that now, even before they get a new general manager and before they get a new head coach, they're making it clear that they want levels of accountability and they want levels of everybody being on the same page and not, you know, in subordination. So from that aspect, from a franchise perspective, I, I actually get it if that's exactly what happened, because how can you go in front of players and how can you go in front of your other coaches and and kind of expect them to to fall in line if you'll let somebody do that. And that's really tough. And that's really difficult. But I mean that's the sense that I got from Daryl Bevel, who was very open and transparent in talking with the media explaining this decision. And you know, from a media member's perspective and from somebody who covers this team and has to explain these things to fans. That's very important and very valuable. I, I'm going to read this quote to you, too, when he was asked why it was important as the leader of the team to make this decision now versus, you know, wait till the end of the season. Quote, I do think it's important as a leader. As hard as the decisions can be, I think it's important that I have a philosophy and I have a belief of things I'm trying to instill in the team, instill in the coaching staff, and instill in the program. When things happen that are outside of it, then there needs to be something that happens. If something doesn't happen, then really you lose some credibility. I always feel it's important. I tell our coaches all the time, we need to do what we say we're going to do. If we tell these guys something, we need to be able to come through. Now, sometimes game plan situation can change. Obviously, we're saying, here's the game plan. And they understand that some of the parameters that can change within a game. If we're going to say, hey, we're doing this, then I feel like it's important that I come through with that. Sometimes when it goes the other way, there's moments that you can really help yourself or hurt yourself. And I thought this was a real this was really an important moment. End quote. So that is part of the reasoning. Now, there are some semantics here and some, you know, realities. I asked Daryl Bevel straight away, would it be fair to basically characterize this as Daryl Bevel said punt? And Braden Combs then did a fake punt. And Bevel simply said yes. He said that there was really, the way he explained it, he went into great detail. I'm not going to go into that detail necessarily here because that's, I think, a little bit too in the weeds. But essentially from a communication perspective, they're talking about it every drive. They're talking about it every play. They're talking about different parameters that they have set up during the week in order to make sure they're prepared for any type of situation on Sunday. And there were times in the game where they were close, if it had gotten to fourth down, to maybe trying a fake punt based off of the parameters they had set and what was going on in the game. But at that point, Daryl Bevel said no. Matthew Stafford had taken shots on second and third down. He was already in the fourth quarter. He had taken some hits throughout the game. We all saw how beat up and, and hurt Matthew Stafford was playing and Daryl Bevel clearly wanted to get Matthew Stafford some rest. He felt like he had enough time left on the clock. And he was trying to manage the entire team instead of the very micro situation and look at the bigger picture of the macro game. Now, I don't necessarily believe all of that because the Lions weren't exactly stopping Tennessee at any point. And Derrick Henry could have just run out the clock on them to where they weren't going to get two possessions without scoring. 
without Tennessee scoring. So I don't totally buy that, but that's that's a tough, tough thing to do when your head coach is saying, I'm trying to you know look out for the whole of the team, especially the injured quarterback, and you go and do that. Like, that's just – it's a bad look. And it, it, it makes sense from Daryl Bevel's perspective of, of what he was – of his argument. Like I said, I don't know if it's the call I would have made, but I understand it from an argument's perspective of you think you're in it, you're having some faith in your defense, maybe that's ill-placed faith. But you, you just don't, in that type of situation, knowing what's on the line – Make that call without the head coach's approval. And and that's clearly what irked Terrell Bevel. And it's it's going to lead to some interesting things and some interesting questions. We'll get to more of that on the other side of the break. Along with the other news today, Lions have three pro bowlers. But that feels very secondary compared to the bigger news that dropped on Monday. We'll be back right after this. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over, much to the happiness of probably everybody. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly. So you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time. And there are no long-term contracts. That's right. No long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new New way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month according to Comscore total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast, faster than even Matt Prater's 59-yard field goal went through the uprights. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And football, as we have seen, is very much back in full swing. And you might not be at a game this year only 500 or so people can be in Lions games over the last couple of home games, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day. Every day, head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word, 
Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, and we're going to keep on digging in a little bit on the firing of Braden Combs and, and what this could mean for Bevel, what this could mean for Braden, what this means for the Lions. And let's start with Braden. The obvious is that he no longer has a job. He couldn't finish his first season as a coordinator. And moreover, this is going to potentially have big-time repercussions on his coaching career. Because now, in any interview he has, on any level, college or professional, he's going to be asked about what happened. He's going to be asked to explain the situation. He's going to be asked whether he was insubordinate. And don't think for a second that any head coach that's maybe hiring him, any coordinator that's maybe hiring him, isn't going to reach out to Daryl Bevel, isn't going to reach out to other people on this coaching staff to ask what happened, to find out what's true and what's not. And that's something that will follow you because if you are a head coach making a hire, can you trust him to not do that again? And, and maybe it ends up being a one-off mistake that becomes a career-defining thing for him and hopefully just a learning situation for him because I do believe he's a bright young coach. I do believe he's a coach that has real potential and, and players really gravitate towards him and he's a smart coach. You look at what he did with the special teams, especially with the punting units and the coverage units and there's some really good stuff in there without a doubt. Like last week he was talking about onside kicks and explaining things like there, he, he's a good coach who made a bad decision. And it's one that's going to really follow him because the perception when you get fired from a public job is, is much different than if you're an accountant. Like everyone knows what happened, especially when it's something this different and got this much attention. Like that, football is a small world, the NFL world, the major college world, small worlds. Like he's going to get asked about this potentially in every job he has for the rest of his career. If he, if someone will be willing to hire him, and I think at some point someone will. Uh, you know, maybe he ends up at Ohio State. Maybe his dad throws him a lifeline a little bit. You know, hopefully he learns from this. Whatever happened or didn't happen, like clearly there were issues there. So hopefully he learns from it. Because he's a young coach. He's still 34 years old. And, you know, coaching is theoretically a lifelong profession. So you don't want to see it damage him too badly. But that's that's a rough thing. And it's something that, that's going to follow him for a while. And that's just the truth of it. It's also potentially going to follow Daryl Bevel, too. Because now, as I wrote on Monday, that I think Daryl Bevel's done a good job. The record at 1-2 and two may not show it, but... Defensively, they're very undermanned. Offensively, he's playing with an injured quarterback. But there's been a change. There's been a flip of energy, of confidence, of belief. And Daryl Bevel's done a good job with that. And I think he will at some point, whether it's this offseason, next offseason, maybe get some looks for head coaching gigs, like full-time, real-deal head coaching gigs instead of the interim situation he's in now. But now, if I'm a GM, if I'm an owner... Hiring him, I want to know what happened here too. Because I want to know 
all of the details behind it because this is a pretty big decision. Now, could this look good for Bevel in the long term? Yeah, it could. And I, I mean, I don't think he did it because of this, but it could because it shows that he's willing to put his foot down and he won't take insubordination. He won't take somebody, you know, going behind his back, screwing around like that's leadership in some ways. And, and he kind of said that. And the fact that he was forthright about it and frankly, very definitive about it, too. I mean, it's not like, you know, he, he dilly dallied on the decision. Clearly, he talked about it Sunday night. He slept on it, wanted to make sure it was the right thing. And then, you know, he asked to do it. So there was some decisiveness there. But any job he's up for, he's going to get asked about it also because the sample size of his decision-making process is not large and won't be large. It'll be five games as a head coach interim. And this might be the most significant decision that he makes in these five games, especially with the Lions out of the playoff race. So to me, that's a thing that's going to follow Daryl Bevel too, and he's got to have a good answer for that. And then the third part of it, you know, from the Lions' perspective, is you likely lose out on a coach who has real potential, a coach who was a bright spot in an otherwise downtrodden season. Now, again, there seems like there's more stuff going on behind the scenes than people realize. And you've heard me say it a few times on this show that this year, from a reporting standpoint, has been a little bit different because usually when you're in the building and you're in the locker room, you pick up little things, you hear little tidbits, you hear things that, oh, this person's maybe not happy with that thing or that person's not happy with this thing or this is really maybe what's going on a little bit. And you don't necessarily get that type of interaction and you're relying more on you know people calling you back, which can sometimes be a, a hit and miss situation. So like this is something that I think came as more of a surprise because there's no media in the building. So we're not seeing these things. We're not seeing enough people around. You know, there isn't that interaction. And yeah, but for the franchise, if I am a general manager candidate, if I am a head coaching candidate, I'm asking about this situation too. Because if you're, if the Lions source is saying it's not really a culture fit, well, okay, what is that culture you're really trying to build? What are you trying to do? Is it accountability? Is it, you know, chain of command? Is it, what, what is it that you're trying to do? Like now, to me, I have that question of is that just a Daryl Bevel thing or is this something that's coming from the you know quartet of front office general manager type decision makers, at least many of whom may not be with the organization in a few months? Is this coming from Rod Wood and Sheila Ford Hamp and Chris Spielman? Like what what is this coming from? Where is this coming from? If I'm a general manager candidate, if I'm a head coaching candidate, I want to know the answer to that question before I sign on here. And it's just added to a long list of questions about power structure, about Chris Spielman's true role, because I think that that still seems to be a little bit nebulous uh, until they get the general manager and head coach in there. And we'll see what that ends up looking like and shaking out as to Who's going to have person like there's so many questions surrounding this job, what to do with Matthew Stafford that we've covered and that some that we haven't. But this just adds another one is, well, what does that mean? I think it sends a, a reasonable message that you are trying to get things in order. 
that you were trying to say, hey, there will be consequences if you do something that goes against what you're trying to build as an organization, as a head coach and a coaching staff. I do think that those are positive things for the Lions, without a doubt. But you do lose a promising young coach. You do lose a guy who players genuinely seem to like. And you do put your organization in a spotlight for yet another weird reason, which seems to be, you know, honestly kind of par for for reality for the Lions in their history. So that to me is the immediate future for the organization. Uh, I would be curious to hear when we probably never will, but what their answers to general managers and head coaches might be to the question of kind of what happened here and what is the culture fit and what is the culture that you're really trying to build? Because it once again puts this lion's culture right in to the forefront of what you're trying to do. And some of that may have been answered by Chris Spielman a week ago in talking about unity and making sure everybody's working together and has the same top-down vision. And maybe this is an example of that where clearly there was a disconnect in vision, whether it's in the micro of one play or more of the macro of kind of how things were maybe going behind the scenes that can ex- can illustrate to potential GMs and potential head coaches that, no, look, everything, we're serious about this. So that, to me, is where it will affect Braden and probably most of all him. Then after that bevel, then after that the organization. And it'll affect some players too, although with only two weeks left in the season, it's not going to affect them that much because probable decisions are made. Decisions on the future of the roster aren't going to be made for another month. So, you know, if anything, it maybe gives Marquise Williams, who is going to be taking over for Braden as the special teams coordinator, two weeks to kind of show what he can do. But again, much like you're seeing with Daryl Bevel, there's only so much you can do with that little time left in the season, especially here when you're working on a semi-short week against Tampa and then week 17, two holiday weeks, you're out of the playoffs. So there's only so much you can do. So beyond the big news for the Lions, there was also this, that they have three Pro Bowlers this year, which none of them were a surprise, but good for all of them. None of them obviously will play in a game because there is no Pro Bowl game this year. There is only Pro Bowl on Madden. But TJ Hawkinson, tight end TJ Hawkinson, center Frank Ragnow, and punter Jack Fox. So there is a little bit of irony there that on the day that Braden Combs gets fired, Jack Fox, who is the punter that he entrusted, the punter that beat Aaron Sipos out for the job, ends up being a pro bowler. That there's, There is some little bit of irony there that those three are the Lions representatives in the Pro Bowl. All of them very deserving. There's not somebody who was a snub either. I mean, maybe possibly you can make the case for Taylor Decker, but that's about it. Everyone else seemed to kind of be right in that Frank Ragnow is one of the best centers in the NFC. He might be one. He's one of the best centers in the NFL. He may be the best center in the NFC right now. He has so much value to the organization. You saw that a little bit on Sunday when he was out and you've seen it over and over. He's a fantastic run blocker. He's a good pass blocker. He will run people over. He makes all the calls at the line 
and he plays hard and he plays tough, evidenced by playing with a vocal cord contusion and a fractured throat throughout all of a game before, you know, saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm really hurt here. I mean, he sold the coaches and stuff beforehand, but he played anyway. TJ Hawkinson has been in the midst of a good second season. I know there's been questions about him before and what this really means and uh, as far as where he is. But listen, TJ Hawkinson has done a good job. He's done an admirable job. And you have to be happy, I think, with what you're seeing. Now, granted, some of this leap beyond the typical year one to year two leap for a tight end is because he was injured for a good portion of last season. But Look at what he's doing. Yes, he did not have a great game against Tennessee. Only two catches for 18 yards. But he's been productive almost the entire season. He hasn't had a 100-yard game yet, but some of that is a function of the offense and a function of how he was being used. But he started every game so far this season. 92 targets, 60 catches. So 65.2% catch percentage. That's up from 54.2% a season ago, according to Pro Football Reference. 60 catches for 675 yards, 6 touchdowns, 11.3 yards per reception. Like, all of these things are good. He's averaging more yards per target at 7.3, so he's getting a little bit deeper now into defenses. And overall, he's had a really strong season. Now, sure, some of this Pro Bowl nod has helped because... George Kittle has been out for most of the year, and he's maybe the best tight end in the NFL, certainly the best tight end in the NFC. Uh, I think Robert Tunyon is probably a year away from having a real big presence, even though he's done such great things in Green Bay this year. And Evan Ingram made the Pro Bowl, too. I was surprised at that selection, but it's been a down year for tight ends. TJ Hawkinson led the Pro Bowl voting in the NFC essentially the entire way. Again, benefited by George Kittle being injured, but this is a good start for TJ Hawkinson, and if he can build on year two and take it another step further next season, don't know what type of offense he'll be playing in, don't know what quarterback he's going to be playing with, et cetera, et cetera, but it is possible that he ends up being the number one target for the Lions and the number one offensive weapon for the Lions next season, depending what happens with Kenny Galladay, depending what happens with Marvin Jones, depending if all of a sudden he ends up in a very tight end friendly offense, which is entirely possible. This could be just the real start for TJ Hawkinson, who even in the last few games of the season, he's not going to get to a thousand yards, but he could get to 75 catches. That is possible. He could get to 750 yards, maybe 800 yards, maybe even 850. Those are two possibilities. So that would be a heck of a season for TJ Hawkinson. And then Jack Fox. We've covered him a little bit on here. He's had a fantastic, surprising standout rookie year. He's one of the best punters in the NFL. At one point, he was on record pace for net putting, net punting, yards in NFL history and gross punting yards in NFL history is backed off of that a little bit, but still he's been one of the best in the league this season. And that's, that's a great accomplishment for him. He's obviously been helped out by good special teams as far as gunners. And there aren't many spots for those special teams type people, but guys like miles Killebrew guys like Mike Ford guys like Tony McCray before he got injured, 
have play a big role in this. C.J. Moore, his personal protector, like these are people who played a role in getting Jack Fox to the Pro Bowl, without a doubt. And yeah, I mean, you look at how he's punted. He's only had one game all year, and that was last week when he only punted once against Tennessee. One game, it would have been twice had you know obviously Daryl Bevel had his way, but. He hasn't punted for under 40 yards in a game, yard, yardage-wise. That's pretty darn good. He's come down a little bit from the beginning of the season where three of his first four games, he was averaging over 54 yards a punt. Like He's only averaged over 50 yards a punt in two games since. But that's still very, very impressive. And he's been very consistent. All year long, he's been a good kickoff man as well. Touchbacks on 31.4% of his kickoffs. Like, he's he's doing a good job here. And he's a guy that now, if you're the Lions, you moved on from Sam Martin in the offseason. And you maybe have questions at kicker this offseason with Matt Prater going into a contract year. Dom Muehlbach, don't know what is going to happen with him now in the offseason as he's in a contract year every year. And at 39, maybe this is it for him because he may not want to go through another coaching change. Obviously, you know, he's going to have a new coordinator next year again. And that's been basically a yearly occurrence lately on the Lions special teams. So having Jack Fox and having him wrapped up for a little while is a good thing for the Lions. But good news for all three of those guys. I'll be honest. I mean, Tom Muehlbach, not a pro bowler this year. I don't think he was, again, tough to judge long snapping, but I don't think he was playing at a pro bowl level this year. However, I'm not going to lie. I was hoping that somehow he would end up being a Pro Bowler, if only because I would want to see Dom Muehlbach play Madden. Because I, of all of the guys on the roster, I would be most surprised if Dom Muehlbach was an avid gamer. Like, I would just be super shocked at that. And since that's kind of part of the deal, now I don't think they're going to have the long snappers play Madden here. Like, I think they're really targeting the higher profile guys. But I, you know, I'm kind of curious to see Aaron Rodgers play Madden. Hopefully that happens and comes to pass. But I'll be very, very I would have been very, very curious to see Dom Muehlbach in that situation. But yeah, so those are their teams, Pro Bowlers. And it shows frankly the Lions do have some talent now. There was never any question about that. Especially two of those three guys entering the season were first round picks, were guys that you really thought could take that next step. Ragnow last year really seemed like a guy who was on the verge, and now he's taking that next step. Hawkinson, I think a year early maybe than I thought he was going to be, and probably maybe even a year early than than it would have happened had Kittle been healthy. But good news for both of them. Jack Fox, obviously the surprise. And I think when you're looking at it, Taylor Decker to me is at a point now where he is potentially trending toward Pro Bowl territory. So all of a sudden, if he ends up there too, you know, that's – Bob Quinn maybe did an okay job in the first round. Now, granted, Jared Davis was a miss as a first-round pick. You know, we'll see what happens here with Jeff Okuda. And, you know, those are potentially two huge misses. But he knew how to draft offensive line. There's no question about that. And that's good for Frank Ragnow and good for TJ Hawkinson and good for Jack Fox. So – We've gone on for a while today. We haven't gotten to any mailbag questions. We will get to them later in the week, either tomorrow or on Thursday. 
I know that it's a little bit all over the place, and I apologize about that, but with a holiday week, trying to cram some stuff in, and obviously did not necessarily expect this news coming on a Monday. So thanks, as always, for listening. Really appreciate it. If you'd be as kind to leave a five-star review, that'd be a great holiday gift for me. I'd, I'd be very, very thankful. Leave a review, leave five stars, whatever it is that you might want to do. Follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein. On Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. And with that, we will chat with you tomorrow.